On May 22, 2011, an EF5 tornado formed just outside of Joplin, Missouri, and it cut a line straight down the middle of the city. It devastated the area. There were thousands of homes and cars destroyed. It was the costliest tornado in American history, causing $2.8 billion in damage. It's also considered the seventh deadliest tornado in, in American history. 161 people perished in this disaster. Though I've spent the majority of the past decade since then living in Joplin, I thankfully was not there that night. I remember I was about to hop in my car and visit a friend who lived in Joplin, and I just happened to glance over at the TV, and they had the weather report on. And I remember texting him and saying, uh, looks like kind of a bad storm is about to move through the area. I'll, I'll wait till it passes and then come up. And uh, I did not end up going to Joplin that night. Um, as I said, it was there, there was no one getting into Joplin that night. They were just trying to get emergency vehicles. The, the, the place looked like a war zone. Locations that I had been familiar with, driven by for my entire life, wiped out over a span of 46 minutes, left nothing behind but shreds. Uh, not to mention all the people who lost their lives that day. For our area, it's almost kind of like a, a 9-11 comparison. Um, everybody you know, says that they remember where they were when they heard about 9-11. And for people in this area, everybody remembers where they were on the night of the Joplin tornado. Everyone's got a story about this event that, that changed our area forever. And for years afterward, um, th that was the question people wanted to ask you about when they heard that you were from Joplin. They said, oh, where were you whenever the tornado hit? But another question that a lot of people have asked in the years since then is where was God when the Joplin tornado touched down? And so that's a question that I'd like to analyze. And while I don't have an answer to that question that would probably satisfy everybody, I do think we can show you today that uh, when the Joplin tornado touched down, God didn't take his hand off the wheel. He had a reason for the things that happened. He had a plan. He was still intimately involved with everybody's lives of the people who went through that ordeal that day. And I hope to demonstrate that on today's program as I share with you a conversation with a good friend, a brother in Christ, and my eye doctor. His name is Larry Brothers. And he's going to share some information that he learned in the years after the Joplin tornado right here on the Cross References podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a minister, and I'm a former Joplin resident. As I said in the intro, I, I actually moved there right after the tornado happened, and uh, and I lived there until just last year, and now I just live nearby Joplin. But Joplin, it's a town of about forty to 50,000 people. Not very many people have heard of Joplin, except for when the tornado happened. A lot of people made the comment to me that that tornado put Joplin on the map, uh, but in reality, it almost took Joplin off the map. This thing uh, cut right down the middle of Joplin, Missouri. Uh, it was just astounding. It could not have a more devastating area. It went right through the heart of the city. Um, as I said, thousands of homes, uh, over 100 people lost their lives. One of the deadliest tornadoes in human history. And it, it happened right here where I grew up in a town that I've been to countless times in my life, went to college here, went to and, and served at a church here for, as a pastor for many years. And uh, actually at the church where I attended, uh, there was another man named Dr. Larry Brothers who I went to church with there. And I remember uh, probably about a year after the tornado, 
Larry, uh, we had a church luncheon and, and someone gave him a microphone. He shared a presentation of miracle stories that he had been collecting uh, ever since the Joplin tornado had happened. Stories of people who had amazing supernatural things to report that day. Events that defied human understanding, a uh, rational basis for what happened. And he said that he was collecting these stories and that he was going to put them together, put them into a book. And so uh, Larry Larry is a not only a good friend of mine from the church, but he's also a doctor. He's an optometrist right there in Joplin, Missouri. And so he was my eye doctor, and I'd go to him often. I'd say, hey, when's that book going to release? And I've asked him that repeatedly over the past decade. He'd still always say, hey, it's coming. It is going to come out one of these days. And now finally, here it is. The name of the book is And the Angels Came. This is available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, and uh, also you can get it on uh, paperback. If it's not on paperback yet at the time that you hear this, it should be available for pre-order at least on there. Um, but you can read it instantly on downloading it on Kindle as well. So uh, I've talked long enough. I want to join the conversation and let you hear about what happened when the tornado formed in Joplin that day and the angels came. This is a, a book with stories of people who had supernatural encounters around the time of the Joplin tornado uh, that went through our area several years back. And so maybe we should just start there, though, because this is people are listening from all over the world. In case they are not familiar with the Joplin tornado, maybe we should just start there. Tell everybody about what happened that day. It was a normal Sunday afternoon in in Joplin. The weather was just a nice, beautiful day. There were some storm warnings that were uh, some uh, cells that were coming up from through the Oklahoma area. And about uh, about five o'clock, the storm started building. Uh, there were a couple of supercells that came together just on the west side of town, and it ended up being uh, by the when the two merged, they came across Joplin very slowly, very dangerous, then went cut a swath up to a mile wide from one mm-hmm. section of the city limits to the other side. There were. Uh, it was just a, a normal day. This high school graduation was that day. Mm-hmm. And by the time it ended up, there ended up being somewhere between six and 8,000 buildings that were damaged or, de- or destroyed. There were 100 doctor's offices. There were uh, 27 apartment complexes, 28 churches, uh, 11 daycares, uh, 11 school buildings, and 18,000 cars hmm. that were damaged or destroyed. And about there were 1,300, over 1,300 recorded injuries, and 161 people perished. But it took it took this path through town, ended up being about a 35-minute journey. Uh, 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 time span from one end of the state limits to the other. Mm. And so this was uh, 2011 when that tornado hit Joplin, and that that was cataclysmic to our area. I mean, of course, they've rebuilt since then. They did a really great job rebuilding quickly, but um, that changed everyone's lives that day. Everyone who lives in Joplin or around Joplin, <laughs> they have a story from that day. Yeah. And that's that's really what you were finding as you were putting together this book. Is Tell us about the kind of stories that you included here in this book. There were there were several groups of, of stories that uh, that that people started bringing to us. The the one most dramatic that everybody talked about was the, the as the children described them as the butterfly people, hmm. and they described them as angels, people that were doing supernatural things to protect the parents and to uh, to uh, clear things out. But we ended up with. 
about uh, probably we ended up with 55 stories of, of people that came in with different testimonies. A number of those were uh, people that had seen somebody during or after the storm that stood out as uh, very unusual. And the, the descriptions were all very similar that even with all the debris and the rain, the intense rain that, that came after and the hail, that these people presented to them wearing clean, dry clothes, hmm. that they would be there to help them dig them out of the out of the debris. They would help them get out of their cars. They would walk with them. They would uh, comfort them. And then they would, at one point, when they would reach some certain destination, they would look and the person would be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, other stories were things that should have happened that didn't uh, or things that did happen that shouldn't have naturally things that uh don't make any sense there were instances of where a door was opened that was not open before Hmm. and um those things they they just stuck on the people's minds there were instances of uh tokens that they found in the debris Mm -hmm. uh, such as a crucifix on a necklace hanging on a nail above where the person was at the time and then this is uh or a child being wrapped up in a blanket or a rug rather Mm -hmm. that they don't know where the rug was from but there were things that that were just unusual but they all explained that they had a lot of peace with it Mm. a lot of comfort they were not they felt comfortable when these people were around and they were reassured by these things they found Mm -hmm. yeah well uh one thing that i i think was just really cool about the book and I, i haven't read all of it but i've been starting into it and uh is that you didn't just take every story you heard of someone, you know, telling some wild thing that happened around the time of the tornado. You went to talk to the primary source. You verified as much as you could. You didn't include a story if you couldn't verify it. Can you tell us a little bit about that verification process? We had the most of the stories came to us within just a few months after the after we started. And the phone service was spotty. The addresses, there were still a, uh, still a lot of debris around. And so the, the, street, the street signs weren't marked and people were displaced. But we would have people that came into the office or would come to us and tell us, here's somebody that you need to talk to. Here's their phone number. Here's their address. And we would go out and try to track the people down. The, uh, we prayed about it every time before we, before we had interviewed them mm-hmm. that, every, that everything would be correct. And if the story wasn't firsthand, there were a lot of interesting stories out there, but if the story wasn't verifiable as first person, we would not use it. We would track down mm-hmm. who said it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great you did that and that you didn't just throw everything you could into the book, but you really wanted to make sure uh, that this was factual and that it was being done yes. in a way that honored God, that it would answer people who were skeptical. I'm sure there would be people skeptical about stories like this, um, but uh, but you went and talked to many, many different people to find out this information of things that defy all uh, rational explanation for how some of these things occurred. And so, um, you, and you talked about these things that happened around the time of the tornado, uh, for people out there, even Christians who might say, well, I don't know. It just seems kind of strange to me that, you know, supernatural beings that angels would come and, you know, interact with the physical world like that. You spend the first part of the book, just establishing from scripture that, uh, this is something that God uses angels to do and that they can interact with our world. Yes, it was. We wanted to make sure that the, a lot of misconceptions that people have about the angels is that they are chubby little cherubs that <laughs> show up around Valentine's Day mm-hmm. or that 
people become angels at certain point, and it's that's not what it says in scriptures. It's very specific what they are. Uh, that even when I presented this to the the, the last publisher, the last uh, uh, editors, the very first thing they said, yes, these are warring angels. They do. They honor God. They. Uh, that they uh, they follow everything by what God d- describes them or, or instructs them to do, mm-hmm. and so it's not it's not the little uh, the little cherub with wings. It's a think of it more as a warrior. Hmm. I just want to talk to you for a moment about how the book came together. You did these interviews a long time ago, and, the, and it's been over a decade since tr- since the tornado. Tell us about the process of, of bringing this book together. The uh, we're. Our house was located outside the tornado zone, and it was so we were we were able to to have some peace from that. But in the evenings, it was late, and early one morning, about four thirty in the morning, I was just uh, I was up and sitting on the back porch, just in prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. And as I looked down, I could see this book in my hand, and it vision of this book, and it was the title was "And the Angels Came." I knew what it was that it was the story of the testimonies and I knew that I could see that it had my name on it and that the name of the title and size of the book. Uh, but all I could think was this is more than what I, I'm not a writer. Uh, I never claimed to be. And it, this was not something I was comfortable with, but as I prayed about it, I just, re- uh, the message I received was I can help. I will bring you everybody that you need. Mm-hmm. And I sat, sat on, uh, on it for a day or two and then mentioned to my wife and she was very enthusiastic about it. And we agreed to go forward with it. And within, uh, about two or three days, people started coming into the office and we hadn't even told anybody about it at that point. People started coming into the office telling us of stories and there were a lot of stories around as, as luke said there were there were a lot of interesting stories there but these people would come to us and say we needed to talk to these people and then it would be something that was there and over the next couple of months we received all the names and phone numbers and addresses of these people that we could track down but we would we would interview them. We would record their interviews. We would transcri- transcribe them into the stories that we had. But uh, they everything was there. It was all we re- uh, had signed waivers from everybody for releases. Hmm. That so we knew everybody. We told them we would protect them uh, there, because there was there was a lot of skepticism about what these people saw. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was an amazing thing over the next couple of months that we received all these names. Some of them became very difficult to track down because of the the uh, the Internet being spotty, the phone service being spotty. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a storm that wiped out probably 30 percent of the, the middle cross section of town. Right. And so it was it was widely spread damage and destruction. Hmm. Well, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that you really did your homework and and worked really hard to talk to all these people and get get it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, wh- one of the things that kind of stands out in the book uh, is people were telling their stories of what was going on during the tornado. Hey, being in a tornado that size, that that massive, that's going to be a traumatic experience for anybody. And yet, some of these people were just reporting uh, feelings of peace and calm amidst all that was going on. Is, is that what you took as a sign that there was something supernatural here? That there was an angelic presence in, in that area? Yes, there were a couple of things that that were that were notable that as we as we came through. One was that everybody we talked to prayed. It may have been a short prayer, like 
Jesus, make this stop. Or mm-hmm. it may have been a lengthy prayer to, to call out the names of all the family members and ask to protect them and uh, reunite them and, and keep them safe. But they all prayed. Hmm. The, uh, all of them felt a sense of peace what, during and after, whether it was uh, from, a, uh, from the person that had presented to themselves that, or something they found. They all felt a sense of peace, and they all felt that, that they, one, that they weren't special. They were not something, somebody that deserved to live when somebody next to them may not have. Hmm. They did not put themselves on a pedestal, and they all believed. Uh, the general consensus was that they all had something planned. God had something else planned for them, and it was not over for them. Hmm. But there was an intense amount of peace and calm with, amid all the chaos and destruction. Yep. Hmm. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And, and then there were also some people who felt like they were given specific directions uh, from the angels and, and what what happened with those situations? There were, uh, some of them were, uh, some of them were, while they were, the storm, the storm was so large that it had a, a large eye, much like a hurricane. Hmm. And so the winds would be, the winds would be very damaging from the front half and then the eye would come across and they would see the blue sky. And then a moment later, the back half of the storm would come through. Some of the instructions they received were, uh, get out of the car get out of your car and this is and as soon as they opened the door the door was ripped off of the car and they fell to the ground the car ended up or the car ended up being crushed down uh, half Mm. a block away this was a person that was later pulled out of the debris by by this uh, person in dry clean dry clothes Mm -hmm. there was a another one that where they were told to stay in the car get in the car and stay in the car and the car was protected by uh, something that fell over the top of it Mm -hmm. There was another one that was uh, a man named Jared that was, as he was uh, as coming down the stairs into his basement, he said there might as well have been an arrow on the floor that he was, the basement had a small knee wall of concrete. And he said there might as well have been an arrow on the floor saying, stand right here. Don't kneel down next to this wall, stand next to this wall, about two feet from the corner. Mm-hmm. He closed his eyes. He said there was a loud swoosh and he opened his eyes and the wall around him was gone. The corner was gone. Mm-hmm. There was not, a, he did not have a scratch on him and there was not any debris within about seven or eight feet of where he stood. Mm-hmm. When he looked at where he would have gone under the stairs, he said the stairs had collapsed and he would have been in, been in problems. Wow. Uh, one interesting one that was a man named Steve that uh, his prayer was, Lord, make it stop. But he lived in a, an older house near the middle of town. And the, the house, when you walk in, it was a four room house. You walk into the living room. There was a bedroom to the right, a dining room and a kitchen. And he walked into his bedroom. He knew the storm was coming. And he walked into the bedroom and the door wouldn't fall back all the way because of where it was placed. But there was a small poly resin Walmart chair there. Yeah. Had his extra bed pillow on it. And he said he was thinking of going in the closet. And he said, no, there's just a voice said, get in the chair. So mm-hmm. he, he sat in the chair and put the pillow, held it over his head and pulled the doorknob back against him. And all that was left of the house was that corner. Really? And he's but. uh he, it was interesting. He was saying that I drove in a, a car at 140 miles an hour, a motorcycle at 150 miles an hour, and I sat in a chair at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he was, uh, I mean, they were just little things like that that, 
that uh, they were directed to that, and it was always for their safety. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm sure people are hearing this, and, and they just can't wait to read some of these stories for themselves. So uh, why don't you let everybody know if they would like to find this book, And the Angels Came. It's by Dr. Larry Brothers, who we're speaking to today. Hey, Dr. Larry, where would people go to find this book? At this point, it's it's available. The ebook is available through Kindle online, and as of June, about June 15th, it will be available on paperback on Amazon, and okay. it will be available through that. There will be other locations that we, we're looking to having some copies that can be, uh, can be picked up in town. Uh, we will we'll work that as it goes through. Okay, yeah, and, and so maybe by the time this interview airs, we could have the details there in the notes as well and uh, let people know where they can find it. But Amazon.com, uh, you can find it there. It's it's on Kindle, and it's also going to be available in paperback very, very soon. So, um, again, the book is called And the Angels Came, and it's a collection of fascinating testimonies of 55 people describing and sharing the peace they experienced amid the chaos that enveloped them that day in Joplin. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. 